Welcome, my friend. You are listening to Read Clean YA with CJ, the podcast for teens and young adults who want to explore exciting worlds, deep themes, and epic stories without the objectionable content. I'm your host, award-winning young adult author, CJ Malacy, and in today's episode, we are going to dive into another author interview with young adult author Kathy McCrum. Kathy McCrum graduated from Biola University with a degree in literature and a love for stories. Recorder and Aberration, the first two books in the Children of the Consortium trilogy, have received enthusiastic editorial and reader reviews. She and her husband, whom she met while writing letters to soldiers, have five children and currently live within the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. While writing is one of her favorite things, she also enjoys reading, long hikes, naps, gluten-free brownies, raspberries, and crocheting while watching science fiction movies with friends and family. Kathy McCrum, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, it's good to be here. I am excited to have you today, and I'm excited because we're going to be talking about your Consortium Trilogy, and I read books one and two, Recorder and Aberration, and they are so good. And if you're looking for an epic science fiction adventure that just has twists and turns and all these exciting elements in it, you're going to love this series. And by the time this episode releases, book three is also going to be available, which is very exciting. But before I go on and on, because I can do that sometimes, Kathy, can you tell us a little bit about your series? I like to think of it as uh, somebody asked me to come up with an elevator pitch once. And I said, okay, so um, a research station goes dark, a rescue mission goes wrong, and a young woman with no name, no family, no friends, loses everything she has and finds humanity and freedom for the first time. That is such a great pitch. And it fits the story so well, just because I've read it. So I can attest to the fact that that is a good pitch for the story. And it, Yay! It, is, <laughs> it is a really engaging series. There, I was so enthralled with what was happening because there are a lot of questions that come up immediately. As soon as you start reading, you're like, wait, why doesn't she have a name? What is going on? Why? And then there's these, I don't remember if this is a spoiler, but there's some very large scary things like bugs involved in this story and um, they're a little freaky but it was just so many different elements that make up the world and it's fascinating I loved it it was a, a very exciting adventure and I can't wait to find out what happens to conclude this series but how did the idea for for this trilogy come about Okay, well, that's kind of funny because it comes in parts. And if you talk to a lot of authors, they'll they'll say that they had, you know, part A, part B, part C, and it wasn't until they finally braided them together that they had the story. So when, oh man, it would have been 26 years ago, I was driving home from work. I was working for a uh, standardized test grading company. Yes, I was one of those people. I read your <laughs> tests and said whether or not you did well. And I was driving home and a paragraph popped into my head. And I sat there in the car on the way home and I just recited this over and over and over and over until I got home. And I I ran into the apartment. It's like 1130 at night. The baby's asleep. My husband's asleep. 
And I ran in and I wrote it down. And it's pretty much this. This is what I wrote down. Kylie hated those first moments when the ship left dock before artificial gravity kicked in. The weightlessness reminded her of how ships were nothing but fancy metal canisters drifting through the emptiness of space. It was worse than what it must have been for the ancient Earth sailors journeying into unknown seas where they might spill over into the nothingness of the world's end. At least they could swim for a while before the sea monsters took them. Space granted no such luxury. And I'm like reciting this in my head on the way home and I wrote it down. That's almost verbatim what it is. And I tried to write that story for years, for years, like 20 years. I tried to write that story and it wouldn't work. And then I'd stopped writing for a while because I was busy. I had five kids and, you know, don't, don't have time for that. Don't have time for that. And then a friend challenged me. She's like, well, write it down, write something down. I had this dream, which turns out to be what is now chapter two in recorder. And as I'm writing it, writing down this dream of standing on this moon with like red dust and people and they're talking and then they crawl down into the bowels of the moon. I was like, oh, so I'm writing all this stuff down. And I, I had been talking with a friend of mine from work. I worked at a library and we would stand outside in the dark and just chatter. And she's all, write it down, write it down, write it down. So I started and I started writing the recorder story. All these people just popped into my head and pretty much the way they are now. I mean, a couple of names changed. You know, Nathaniel Timmons wouldn't tell me his name, but no, he wouldn't. No. <laughs> eventually, eventually, someone else ratted him out, so that was good. But I got to what I think is a, was in that draft, chapter ten or eleven or twelve, and then Kylie was there, and I'm like, oh, you mean the Kylie that was like hated artificial gravity not being on, and she, that was so, so like that all the different aspects. That like Kylie had sat in a binder for 20 years and then finally she just showed up. So anyway, but I had been talking with a friend of mine, um, as I was saying, after work and we were talking about all kinds of things from the way society treats some people as less than, the way that naming inherently grants value. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, because you name something that's important to you. I mean, how many people do you know who name their cars? Well, maybe not as many as there used to be, but, you know, you used to name your estate or your car. (laughs) Most people, when they have a dog, they give the dog a name because the dog is special to them. And so how naming, and in my mind, it's connected with the naming in Genesis, where Adam names the animals. And to me, to unname means to take away the value. It doesn't mean to, naming doesn't mean limiting it means adding value. So like, what if someone didn't have a name? What would that mean? Why would this person not have a name? So that's, I I don't know if that answers your question or not, but. It definitely does because your story evolved. It sounds like it wasn't this one moment of, oh, this is what the story is going to be. And I have all this idea and I'm going to sit down and write it out. And it happened over the course of a year. It, It sounds like this was almost a lifetime coming together of ideas and thoughts and dreams and came together to become the story that it is now. And you have a really, a fairly large cast of characters, right? Yes. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, that's good and bad. I mean, if, if, if you're not yes. used to um, epic fantasy or, or space operas and you're used to reading a much smaller cast, whether that's, you know, a small 
prairie romance or something else, this might be a little odd. Well, we've talked with authors that write in this space a lot on this show. So, you know, we've got our fantasy and sci-fi authors that come on and adventure authors. So we typically talk in worlds that are large with a lot of people. (laughs) So I think our listeners will be ready for, for your cast of characters. But it's so neat how different aspects of the story came from different points and different inspirations in your life to now where it's all coming together and the series is almost done. Well, I guess you finished it at this yes. point. It's out. Yes. <laughs> By the time this episode comes, it's going to be available for readers, which is it's just so fascinating to me to see how a seed of an idea with a story can become something so much different than we once thought it would be. And I love how stories can do that to us. And like you said, Nathaniel did not want to give you his name. And then <sighs> he finally had to. But if you don't write or if you don't talk to authors often, sometimes that can make us sound a little nutty, <laughs> but I understand because it's true. These these characters start doing things you don't expect and they hide things from you and suddenly your story takes a crazy unexpected turn. And I love that. And I love how your story evolved in this way. Oh, thank you. It's kind of funny because to me, there's two like camps in like writing as, as I'm sure you've never talked about before with any writer, um, whether you play plot or whether you, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, so to speak. I kind of think that there's a, that's a false dichotomy because Mm -hmm. if a plotter doesn't pants the outline, then where did it go? I just have really long outlines. My outline is 140,000 and then I trim it back down as opposed to, oh, I have this eight page outline. I'm like, how do you even write with that? So, and not really, but I, I think that, that that burst of creativity and discovering the story is on both camps. It's just yeah. whether you'd rather spend your energy getting that outline out and flesh out as possible or whether you just want it bare bones so then you can build it up and control it more. But I don't know very many pantsers who occasionally don't lose control of their – or plotters who don't lose control of their characters. So maybe right. – Maybe that, that. They have minds of their own, those characters. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I talked to somebody once and he was, uh, he, he said, well, it's not that you're crazy. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> he says, you just so, know these characters so well that you can anticipate the way they would act, even if it's nothing like you. Mm. And that's kind of how I approach my writing, I suppose. Nathaniel Timmons doesn't listen to anything I say. He really doesn't. That's so funny. I love it. Well, you mentioned that if people read prairie romance, that this might be a bit of a shocking turn for them, which I could definitely see being true. But could you give us some books or even movies that you think are similar to your series so that listeners can get an idea of something that they might already enjoy and know and that this fits that kind of pattern or that idea? So they know they love your books too. The thing that I hear the most from people is that they feel like it's similar to Stargate and Stargate SG-1. There's not that going through giant wormholes to other planets kind of thing, but the team spirit and the building together. One of my comps that I used when I, comparative novels that I used when I first pitched this to Enclave was uh, Tosca Lee's The Line Between. It's that's, but that's not sci-fi. So that's a young girl who's been brought up in a small community that's kind of a cult and she breaks free and then there's a big virus and I'm like, oh my word. So 
So I was laughing about that, but I have a really hard time with this. I I think in parts, some of Elizabeth Moon, like Speed of Dark. Yeah. But I have had several people like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of Stargate SG-1. Like, but it's the team vibe, I think, more yeah, than anything else. I could definitely see that. And so if, if listeners enjoy that, then they, I think they would love your book because it does have that team vibe. I think characters are what keep you in a story anyway. So if you like when characters are interacting in that team kind of way, then I think this is going to be a story that, that listeners are really going to enjoy. And it's also a great audiobook, which if you're listening to a podcast, typically you also like the audiobook option. And Kathy's books are available in audiobook as well, and they're really well done. So that's another great way to check out these stories. Now, as we continue, one of the things we love to talk about on Read Clean YA with CJ is the deeper themes in the stories. And we kind of touched even a little bit on this already in the sense that you mentioned how important a name is and how it gives us value. And and your book books, all of them, have that that importance of the value of life and acceptance for oneself of oneself and of others. And there's intertwining of love and sacrifice and all of that as well. And I would just love to talk about the themes that you've put in your story, whether intentionally or if you discovered them later. It sounds like you plan a lot, but I would love to hear, like, did you choose to go into the story with these themes in mind or did they kind of come to you as you were writing? And what is the themes that really are impactful for you and that you are love sharing with your readers? One of the things that I feel like came to me. I I feel like a lot of the themes were built into the characters that showed up in my head, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. That sounds really strange, I'm sure. One of the things in Recorder is she is really wrestling with who she is, who society has defined her as, and who she is deep down. The group of people called Recorders just kind of as like an explanation in this world. There's the there's these recorders that are given to this organization before birth. And they are raised from infancy onward to serve the public. They are to have no bias. And that's why they have no name. Because once you have a name, you start affiliating with different people. So they are not to have friends. They are not to have names. They have to have this complete blank slate. And all they're doing, kind of think of it like a notary. They're just notarizing everything. Mm. But also think of it, I don't know if you or any of the listeners have seen uh, The Hunt for Red October. Okay, yeah. Think of her kind of as like a Soviet political officer who happens to be a notary. That's her job. People don't like them. There's a huge amount of bias against them. For uh, As the story goes on, even she finds out things that she didn't know about this organization that she's grown up Mm -hmm. with. But that's what's defined her her whole life is I am a recorder. And yes, you capitalize the title because they don't have names. And so the title is capitalized because it functioned as a name. But everybody is recorder. As she wrestles with this and she loses who she is and she loses the access and the abilities that she had, she has to decide and figure out who she really is and what her value is and whether or not her life does still has meaning because her meaning has been stripped. She, at one point, and this is really important to me, and in in the first book, she says, you cannot trust nothing. She's, she's like, I am nothing right now. I am not a recorder. I am not a citizen. I am nothing. You can't trust nothing. And they're like, you have never been nothing. In all of space and time, there's only been one of you. And how could that be nothing? That's so unique. That's so valuable. 
And that's really the heart, I think, of where it just evolved. It kind of grew out of that original concept to the point where the funny thing is she's never seen people as nothing. She's never even seen her other, the, her fellow recorders as nothing, but she has a hard time recognizing that in herself. And I feel like that's a very universal thing that we all struggle with who we are. Do we have value? Because I'm pretty sure that almost everybody who's listening has at one point or another said, oh, it's, but not me, not me. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, yes, you, you matter. That was one of the biggest things. It, it's one of the things that was hard for me when I was writing the whole trilogy is to have her keep struggling with that, but grow towards acceptance. Right. But as she recognizes her own value, there's a couple times where I, because she's she has to be even killed. Every recorder has to be even killed. There are huge, enormous awful penalties if a recorder loses it. But she starts losing her temper once in a while. And she usually reins it back in right away. But I mean, there's a scene in, in book two where she just loses it. She loses her temper and she snaps at somebody. And then something else happens in book three. But just that ability even for her, for her to get angry was a huge growth thing. It doesn't sound like it. Hey, I got angry today. I'm growing as a human being. Off of that, another thing somebody, several people have messaged me about has been the fact that emotions are not bad. They can be uncomfortable and they can be used poorly, but they are actually gifts. And, you know, you have to control them. You can't let them control you. But there's nothing inherently wrong with the way with with going through your feelings and it's better to be honest about it and to face them than it is to shove them aside or to deny that they happened yeah and i think it kind of it ties in right with having value and purpose in some ways too because it's when we realize that okay god did create each of us right so there's no person that's without value that's without purpose that doesn't matter you know so to that listener who maybe is even feeling like oh i don't matter i'm not valuable. That's not true. That's a lie. And I love that you tackle this in your stories because I think more and more we live in a world that it has so many degrees of separation as connected as we are because it it's harder to find times maybe to be in person with friends and family. And there's so often more happening virtually and that can make us feel disconnected and lose reality in some ways where we forget like oh that I'm I am supposed to connect with others and I'm supposed to be with others and and it can in that also be easy to lose ourselves and forget that we have a value outside of what people say about us online and outside of what happens you know virtually and in all of that too though there's as we recognize value that was given from God, right? Then we also start to see that he he's the one who created us with all the emotions that we have as well. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, did not come and walk on the earth without any emotion. We see that he would get angry. He would be passionate. There, there were moments where, he, where Jesus wept and we get to see the the array of, of emotions that he went through and recognize that that is something that's given as a gift from God. And he does, there is a space for that, that we need in our lives. We need to be able to deal with those emotions. But I think the less we value ourselves, the more we can shut that down, the more we can be like, oh, well, how I feel in this moment doesn't actually matter. Or it's, you know, maybe I shouldn't be upset about what that person just did. It, maybe I'm wrong, you know, because maybe my opinion really doesn't matter. Or maybe I shouldn't 
cry or be angry or be happy because I don't matter as much as this other person. And that's so wrong. And it's so untrue. And it's a, we have to realize that who we are is not based on, and our value is not based on what other people say or think, but it is based on who we were created to be and whose image we were created, right? And so not that your book even is diving explicitly into every one of those things, but I love that these themes can be explored in stories because then we get to watch it play out because we see, quote unquote, recorder, this this girl that we end up really caring about and we want we want to see her have friends and love and experience life outside of the confinement that she started in at the beginning of the story we want to see her get angry we want to see those emotions come out because we see her value and so we want her to begin to see it as well and I think as we can watch a character go through that it's something that we ourselves can hopefully can start to have that resonate in our hearts where it's like oh wait I have I have a purpose too I have value too every single person does even when other people might say that they don't. And so I I think these themes are really powerful and really important. And I love how you're weaving them through the story. And I'm excited to see her journey continue specifically in this way too, into book three. So it's, it's really powerful. Thank you. I could talk about themes all day. Isn't it the best? I love it. Yes, it really is. I love it. <laughs> it's so fun. Let's talk about the deep meaning of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And yes, yeah. I love it yes. so much. Um, and I love doing it because then sometimes I think themes are sneaky and we don't necessarily realize them uh-huh. until we talk about them. Right. And so I think there's something really special about taking a minute to dive deeper into a theme just so that when we go back to the story, it can rise off the page in a new way. And that's That's one of the great things about books like the ones that you talk about, because so many books have such disheartening themes where it is like, it's useless. Why bother? And you, you have to be able to go deeper than that. You, because yes, there's evil in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world, but that has to point at the fact that there's an opposite. And if you don't put the hope in, then what's the point of reading it what's the point of doing anything and so it's it's beyond even just the value of a person the value of hope and then perseverance and not letting go of hope even when things seem dark and then i think in in guardian it's the way that she has to learn to let go of it and so that anyway but oh. Yes. She just gives us enough to intrigue us even more. <laughs> well, that's, I hope so, but you know. Yes, yes. No, I, I totally agree with you completely. My heart resonates with that and hope is so vital, so important. It's something I'm passionate about having in my own stories because it's what is this life without any hope, without hope that's bigger than the bad things we're experiencing right now and the hard things we're going through now. Because we are starting to run out of time, which is crazy. I can't believe how fast this time has gone. But I love to give our listeners a glimpse behind the curtain into you, Kathy. So if you could just share a little bit about yourself, if you could let us know what started you on your writing journey. The first story I remember telling was about my imaginary friend, Sally, who lived in Clapham's land. And she threw the man's hat up in the air. I think I was, I think I was three. I remember this story and I've been telling stories my whole life. But as I said, I, once I had kids, I stopped 
I, I mean, I still told them bedtime stories. We still read books. I mean, I, I remember sitting in the hallway between their bedrooms and reading the entire uh, Lord of the Rings. Not not in one sitting. Let me clarify, not in one sitting. But <laughs> that I, would be a feat. <laughs> I, was, I, did t- I did tell them, okay, mom doesn't read stories for a while. I think that I've, I've always told stories and I've always loved books and stories. And it's, it's kind of funny. I was, I'm, I homeschool my youngest and um, I was sitting down and I was reading, I think it was Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. And I'm like, oh, that's why I messed up. <laughs> that was one of my favorite books when I was a kid. Um, but there's, yeah, there's always been stories. Even when I was not writing, I was telling my kids bedtime stories, you know, about the elephant in the sandwich or about, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, like I said, it, I would occasionally sit down and write down. I, I actually had a, an, a blog for a while. And I don't think I've ever told anybody else this. Oh, exciting. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's, it's, it was, my writing skills were not up to what they are now. And so I'm kind of hesitant to share the things, but yeah, I I used to have a blog and um, I think it was, there's not enough coffee. I think that was the name of it. I love that name. (laughs) But it just, it just seemed to epitomize my life. But then, as I said, I, I'd had this dream about a box full of cobalt blue bones and long like rib bones and like this box of bones. And what I messaged one of my friends that from college and she's all, well, where's the story? And I'm like, there's no story. She's all write it. And so I did. And that's, that was kind of the landslide that just kind of went down the hill really fast. And all yes. of a sudden I'm, I'm like, I'm going to write this short story. And I had the dream about what's now chapter two of recorder. I'm like, I'm going to write this as a story and there's going to be no romance in it. And it's going to, and it's yeah. Right. So I told, I told you my characters have different opinions of things and, Definitely. um, um, and, uh, and it's going to be 15,000 words long, longest thing I've ever written. Well, close to a, half a million words later um the story's all together it's it's don't worry don't i don't want to scare anybody the 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 trilogy is not half a million words it's just that you know you have to when you're writing you have to learn how to edit and cut right and you know bring out the chainsaw and so yes the the half a million words have been chainsawed down so it's safe people it's safe (laughs) but that's kind of that's kind of my writing journey I'm glad that you got thrust into this because the story is worth reading it's worth sharing so I'm so thankful that we get to experience this world that you've created and since we are running out of time sadly could you just let readers know where they can connect with you and your books find your books and everything online Social media wise, I'm mostly on Instagram, uh, uh, Kathy McCrum author, all one word, no hyphens or anything. And I'm Kathy McCrum on Facebook as well. And I have oh, this really pretty web page. It's guardian book.com that has endorsements and the trailer for the book and links to get it. It's really pretty. Um, and then kathymccrum.com is my website. Great. Oh, wonderful. Well, we will have links to all of that in the show notes. But th- thank you, Kathy, so much for being with us today, for sharing about your stories. It was a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very glad that I came.
I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Kathy McCrum. It was so nice getting to know Kathy and chat about her series. If you're looking for a fantastic sci-fi adventure through space, you'll love Kathy's Children of the Consortium series. Now, this series does contain some elements that might be scary for younger or more sensitive readers. There are giant insects, characters who die, and some references to alcohol or drinking. There are also some unwed pregnancies. The violence is not described in detail, and Lorehaven reviewed both books, 1 and 2, and they gave a pretty detailed breakdown. If you want to check out their reviews, you can find links in the show notes. You may have noticed that I made a mistake at the end of my episode with Given Hoffman. I said that my next episode would be with young adult fantasy author Ellen McGinty, but I was looking at the wrong date on my calendar, and clearly my next episode was not with Ellen. Sorry about that, but don't worry, you'll be hearing from her soon in the next episode, in fact. Thank you so much for listening to Read Clean YA with CJ. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend so they can discover exciting, clean young adult books too.